guys. Welcome back to a different life story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today, I've got Paiming some with me. Paiming is a east-west navigator. She's a scientist. She is a cook and loves her nutrition. She has got so many uh, strings to her bow. It's amazing. And there, there are many, many parallels to my life as far as our passions are concerned. So it's beautiful. It's beautiful to have you on my show. Paiming, welcome. Thank you so much, Stephen. This is my pleasure. I really like to be, see somebody in the virtual space and share my experience. And I love that uh, navigator side because everybody's a navigator. Well, and isn't I'm it? You have a both side. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And your your origins are far from the U.S. where you live now. Your origins are from Taiwan, isn't it? So, and and you you didn't really wake up one day in in primary school and thought, I'm gonna be an East West navigator. No, I mean, how did it start? How did how did your life start? What did you want to become when you grow up? Well, actually, I want to be an actress. Excellent. You know, I, I actually direct my show when I was like fifth grader. It just have a lot of fun. I, I direct my friend to do whatever I want him to do, and that feel good. <laughs> but the whole thing started what I want to come to a different world, like from the east to west, is I just want to have this reality shift. Like, even at a very young age, I read books. That actually gave me from reality sitting in my living room to somewhere else. And I grow up with this, I'm just like, I want to go to totally different place. Regardless of what I can do, I don't care. I just want to go. Uh -huh. So an opportunity occurred after graduating from um, my microbiology bachelor degree in science. And I think, well, maybe I can just go abroad to get my uh, graduate degree. And that's why I start to look and where I'm going. And I landed in the United States as um, biology Master student, and I studied University of Maryland for uh, graduate school for about four years, and get my master degree in microbiology and molecular biology. Goodness gracious! And there are indeed uh, chefs out there uh, who are Heston Blumenthal. He is is renowned for doing chemistry and biology cooking, putting it down to the molecular level and then altering food in such a way that it becomes something completely new. So there you are. So there is already there's already the science there in you who uh, who what what attracted you to microbiology? It's quite a subset subset of 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 biology, isn't it? Yeah, actually, I want to be a zoologist. Uh -huh. I, everything the life is not planning to where you want to go, right? <laughs> True. Because so I, I, I watch a lot of the discovery show when I'm growing up in Taiwan. Uh -huh. They have all this animal, you know, the zoology go to Africa and yeah, yeah. some kind of animal. I'm like fascinated about it. I said, I want to be like that. But it is just like when I, in the system we back then in Taiwan, we have to fill out our... Um, desire school, why you want to go to the different university and degree, whatever. So I definitely put zoology as the top choice, but I fail with my test. <laughs> so I learned into the microbiology. However, at that time, it's like early 90s, uh, 80s. Actually, it's pretty cool because everybody arising for cloning the gene mm. to manipulate things and create something different and help human being. So I'm in the right era in that time. And so I think it's not the bad thing I'm doing in microbiology to start because they are really the fundamental of everything in life. In our gut health, we have tons of bacteria in there. Mm -hmm. And right now we have a pandemic where the virus, they are all this the cellular level actually is the origin of the earth too. Because if we don't have biology, we don't have bacteria then we don't have the oxygen so it's everything actually linking to now i'm doing what i'm doing it's mm. like wow i totally awake it's like oh so the journey 
for my past so many years do have a purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. In microbiology, it is uh, you're looking into places and into into realms that most people don't see and most people <laughs> have no clue about. So mm -hmm. there is actually something really really quite peculiar about that. I, I certainly I had an interest in microbiology myself uh, when I was uh, studying medicine, uh, but I also got terribly confused um, because there's constant new developments, constant new bacteria, constant new, uh, you know, these bacteria, vi viruses, prions, all they, they develop. And you think you know something, and five years later, you throw it all away, start from scratch, <laughs> because we're starting to learn so much about this world, and, and we never stop learning. So that's that's cool. But so it was a very exciting time for you actually to be on the forefront, as you said, all the cloning, all the, the, the genetic manipulation, uh, as such. What was your uh, thesis about? What what did you when you were a master student? What did you look into? Well, actually, I study cyanobacteria. That is the, the bacteria created awesome, the oxygen for us. Uh -huh. <laughs> so when I grow in this green thing in the flask, you yeah. know, every day I grow them, I, I clone the gene to figure out their the growth control. And, and I, at that time, I really don't appreciate them. I just like, why they grow so slow? Because like a lot of bacteria, like E. coli, <laughs> I right. can harvest them so quickly. But this one, like five days, but I think it teach me patience and teach me <laughs> to see different perspective because everything's different. Yeah. And also we start merging from east to west and the language barrier. I don't speak that much English then. It has just forced me to get out of the comfort zone. Like, okay, so you need to survive in the foreign country. You know, you don't know how to cook. That's how I start cooking too. And you don't speak the language. You don't know how to drive. You don't know how to answer the question in the classroom because based on we grow up, we don't speak in the class. We just take notes. We pass the test. We don't communicate with the professor because this is like showing disrespectful. So it's totally different mindset and the lifestyle when I come to United States. And I actually train me to be flexible and to become more adaptive. So I don't have the really rigid yeah. to to set myself up because I'm just don't have any rules. It's like a kid, so, you know, when you grow up, if the parent don't give them a rule, they don't uh, have a rule. Uh, and for me, I'm one alone here. Like this uh, is the new uh, country. Uh, so I don't have a rule, I just observe. How interesting. It's, it's actually another parallel between us because I came from the German system and it's certainly at the German system, when you do medicine, there is the God, up there, not up there, is even higher, that's the chef arts. And then he has got two or three sub-gods, and then there are minions. Uh, that's, and then, <laughs> then there are the students underneath there. So yes, I know exactly how you felt. Um, and there was, yeah, I remember asking, asking my chef arts one day, you're doing it always the same way, and, and you're always using the same drugs to send patients off to sleep could you not use another truck instead of this one mm. and he looked up looked at me and said do you want to leave us already <laughs> okay and that was the 1980s so there was this kind of attitude you don't ask i tell you what to do so uh bloody hell and then i came to the uk and suddenly I was encouraged to open up my mouth. I was encouraged mm -hmm. to be inquisitive. And it was such a culture change. And nowadays I wouldn't have it any other way for crying out loud. So I could not go back to a very regimented system that does not encourage uh, flexibility of thinking, adaptation, all these kind of beautiful things that make life worth living and life expanding. It's only because when we ask questions that we actually suddenly come up with new answers that people thought were impossible. And that's the same with you. So here you were, what a transformation from probably more a shy girl, uh, ne by necessity and culture, shy and different to now 80s, 80s in the United States. So did you have a perm? Did you have big blow up hair 
as was the culture with shoulder pads. Did you have, <laughs> how did you look in the 80s? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I actually got shocked when I come in because, like, you know, the clothes, everybody <laughs> there in the summertime, they wear, like, for me, it's like, oh, they, like, actually, they wear the underwear. Then the woman, I, you know, I, I think I need to go swimming. So I go to the woman locker room. I'm like, I, I'm running out. It's like, no way, they have no clothes on them. I cannot stay in there. <laughs> so it's a little like wake up because I wait a minute, you know, we are <laughs> accept who we are, right? You know, this is what we are. It should, shouldn't need to hide, but it is for that different challenge. I, I gradually wake up to the yeah. customer. Yeah. And, um, you know, also because you got here so long, I'm here since 1991. So yeah. it's nine years, 20 years, yeah. something years. And right now I'm like eyeball when I go back home. Huh. I, I have a gesture, I have facial, I talk to strangers. And it is like a woman shouldn't do this in public. <laughs> so I'd be kind of eyeball when you go back to your own culture because you are submerged with something else so long, you don't even aware you are transformed. So is there still this, this kind of expectation for a woman to be seen but not heard, even nowadays in Taiwan? They have the way to communicate. But when you're in the public so loud, people don't usually agree. Interesting, interesting. But they are influencers. I have to say a lot of movement is influenced by female, but they use yeah. a different way to on uh, the background. That is the art I don't know by ever going to be due. I just go out like, yeah. in the front, it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is so important what you're saying there because this kind of change, this transplant from one culture to the other is so often a friction. We have got so much mobility around the world, either due to necessity, due to civil wars, due to refugees, due to so many social movements. It is more or less normal to find yourself in such a transplanted situation. And it's very easy to lose your bearings. It's very easy to lose your connections. And suddenly you're socially isolated, you don't speak the language, you, your culture might be looked down upon uh, by, by the people around you. You might even experience racism and bullying and uh, not nice experiences. That in its own right has been the downfall of many, many, many people around the world. It also has been the challenge that some people used to rise up from. And that's what I hope that we can can show today, that here you are, the navigator of East and West, that this cultural shift can be actually a very positive thing when you let it well, be. It indeed is. But in the first time when I experienced this challenge, I don't re perceive that as positive. I am mm. so angry. But that mm. happened, I worked in the uh, pharmaceutical industry for 11 years. Oh. So in the beginning, as a scientist, we just follow the project because they align with the profit. So you have to follow oh. whatever, right? So there's no really pure science in there when you work in a pharmaceutical company because profit <laughs> is the goal. Yeah. But the, the thing that happened is I wake up from one time because the miscommunication. But I'm in such a, you know, the low rank. So I can feel like it's not because of my performance, it's because who I, like I look, like what I'm doing and my rank, everything like that. And that actually pushed me back to study my own culture. They say, why people look down me? Because I'm different or because I think different or my philosophy is different. I'm not driven, I want to be balanced. So I don't want to be losing the balance all the time, but. Yeah. A lot of people around me, the driven is the success. They have to give up so many things in order to have that feeling. I'm successful, but I'm not. I don't want losing that balance to from the very early on because this is who I am. The balance is the best. Balance is the abundance in my mind. Yeah. If you lose the balance, you lose the abundance because you're going to use up something pretty soon. And, but in that time, it actually forced me back to read all the philosophies, you know, 
ancient Chinese practice, Qigong, Tai Chi, mm-hmm. and all that for the mindfulness-based training. And I just like, I think actually I'm I'm finding the reason why people around me, they are not happy. Mm. They're, you know, really just like, <laughs> exactly. they're going around, they focus on the wrong thing. So in that moment, actually, that's 20 years ago. And I, this is my first wake up. I'm one time I went to work with all the stress, right? Angry and stuff. And I, I usually don't know why, how I get to my work is I mind is somewhere else when you're driving because I'm so stressed out. But when I get into the door, for some reason, I just look everything different. Like, oh, it's so shiny. I can see through people's mind. They are not happy. They have things in their mind. They're worried. And I was like, what happened to me? <laughs> and that's my first wake up because I'm so angry. I'm so focused on learning all this mindfulness thing. So I practice something. Then that's how me to push me to that moment. But it's very, very short-lived. I would say about 10 seconds. I'm just like, wow, what is this? <laughs> okay. So I think that would be just like you described when we in the situation it really pressures and, yeah. and things can happen. You can go down to get more depressed or you can go up to wake up a little bit. Mm. I think that's what I had in that 20 years ago. How beautiful is that? Because it could have been very different. You could have been one of those women who actually reaches for a bottle, who actually reaches for alcohol or for other mind-altering substances or for behaviors like gambling, that you forget it, that you that you lose yourself for many hours in a in the slot machines. We see that yeah, I here. Read book, I read, read, read. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I told you, yeah. reading from a very young age yeah. is for me to change reality. So when I'm reading, Which I'm is- in the book. Beautiful, beautiful. So for you, yes. But I mean, when I look here into Auckland, uh, Auckland is one of the, the, is the biggest city in New Zealand, 1.2 million or thereabouts. And there was a very strong uh, Chinese culture and Asian culture there, mainly due to the fact that in, in, well, there was was always lots of Asians in in Auckland. But 1997, when Hong Kong, uh, when there was the handover to the Chinese government, uh, a lot of people didn't know where this is going. So a lot of Chinese uh, created second homes here in in Auckland. Mm -hmm. So the the east of Auckland, it is, it is, it is quite permeated with with Chinese and then Taiwanese and then people like that. Uh, the interesting thing is we also have got casinos there in Auckland. When you go in there, it is Asian. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ninety yeah. percent. Well, I, I love gamble, to be honest, but I'm not addicted to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that focus about okay, you do this and because uh, I, I think gambling is everybody's. Yeah. My. We always gamble. That's it. No, you know, we just get in to see what happened. That's gambling. If so. Oh, t- so true, so true. And why do you think that things like Candy Crush and all these apps on the phones are so so literally addictive? Because it's 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 essentially a wor- a version of gambling. Um, that is, if you if you do it right, it shouldn't cost you too much, uh, or shouldn't cost you anything actually. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, time, yeah. time is a precious. They oh. lose a lot of time. <laughs> Absolutely, and time is everything. You're so true. And there we're coming back to the mindfulness and to actually living your life in such a way that right now is the most important moment. What? happens tomorrow you don't know about and what happened yesterday it has happened you can't do much about that but mm-hmm. it's you right now you've got that power that that possibility to live with intention and i think you got that insight 20 years ago that kind of laser sharp focus and many people never get that okay, well, you, I, lost it. I lost it big time ah how, how yep. did that happen is the life challenge. It's like so many things happened that 20 years. I have the work challenge at first, right? That's how I get this wake up moment because I read. Then I have a relationship problem. I discover whoever I was with is not doing 
is not really falling in love. It's just using me as some citizenship tool. Mm. So then I get out that depression because, you know, think about you in a relationship, you should totally trust, but actually I trust somebody I shouldn't trust. <laughs> so they get a, yeah, actually, I think it's more like a self-pity, like angry about myself, why I didn't see it, mm-hmm. rather than angry at that person. Mm. But that actually more powerful because you kind of hate yourself more. So I got depression for two years and I get out as a single mom, raising two young kids, right? And that two young kids, one of them has been diagnosed in 2004, has tissue muscular dystrophy. Oh, no. So that means that's terminal way, you know, no way I can see my second son grown. So that I didn't even get into a depression because I know what depression mm-hmm. feel like because that relationship hit. I know I don't ever want to be like that again yeah. because I have responsibility to raise my kids alone. So in that moment, when I know I have to be strong, I have to be healthy, I have to learn how to cook, mm-hmm. I have to be happy because, you know, as a caretaker or caregiver, your person you care for, they can sense your unhappiness. They can, they can feel guilty because me, you couldn't be happy, you know? So I realized as a mother, that's the only thing I can do is to become the best of myself to raise them, particularly for he's only have a limited time. The doctors say usually couldn't survive after a team. He's 23 now, he's still playing his game every day. I'm still wow. having a great conversation with him. I, he is my the sore, the inspiration. The whole 20 years and last year, I finally wake up again. That's because all this time, I guess all the challenges, I saw them as a challenges, but last year, I see differently. I see this because of him, I get out the mental state. And then because of him, I got the motive to live a better life. And because of mother, and I really realized our roles as a parents, we don't own them. We can only just become the function to provide what they need to prevent they got hurt, to protect their happiness. Mm. So that wake up really just pushed me right now. It's like, gosh, this is exactly, <laughs> everything falling in pieces now. You know, I'm coming from the East, you know, I rely, I'm different than the West, but I also see the lifestyle in the West is not that healthy. Mm. And also for a lot of relationship problems, I all go through it. I got a divorce, I got you know, caretaker and single parent. I also has a work challenge. I also built my own business as an uh, entrepreneur. So all the thing, I can really become a very good friend for anybody's struggle <laughs> in any kind of issue. And I think that is just like, gave me so much power. Like, yes, I'm suffer for a reason. I really love, I, I very think, so grateful for all the suffering I've been through. And, it all has a reason, right? <laughs> How bizarre is that? How bizarre is that recognition? Exactly, yeah. Uh, it, and, but how beautiful it is to actually make meaning of the suffering. To, and if you look at, at people who have gone through hell and back, they all will reply with the same recognition or reframing of what has happened to them. They don't say, why me, why me? They, they suddenly know why it has happened to them. And that now, because what has happened to them, it doesn't mm-hmm. define them, but it makes them a different person who can now help others and can now teach others. And we all take different different angles to do so. Some of us run a show, uh, some of us uh, write books. Um, we all have got means of suddenly revealing ourselves to those mm-hmm. out there who have no hope, to those out there who are feeling helpless and don't know where to go and maybe have made conscious or unconscious decisions that led them even further into problems because that's that's 
that's what we have got. We've got this perfect supercomputer up there and no yes. one ever gave us a, a user manual. So here we are trying to press the button and see what happens. And suddenly, oh, if I press that button, that feels good. And that might be the gambling or that might be sex or that might be uh, alcohol. Oh, that's nice. Oh, let's press that button again. And then when whatever happens in your life, you press that button because it so happens that you have not learned any other help functions, huh? any other 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 things. So no. I think only because we've been through like that, totally suffering, like unconsciously suffering. Once you go in there and then and other time, maybe we wake up, but then we can totally relate people still suffering mm. in that state. If we don't go through it, you know, we get a degree, we are psychologists, yeah. you know, yeah. we are perfect to help, but you are not the heart center mentor or coaches because you're not being there. You're not go through the journey like everybody else. It, that's why sometimes I listen to the great talk, the scientists that talk about it. The, the greatest scientists, they can maybe using the data and they can touch your heart. That is the true scientist. You could, they are studying something relate to us, not just because the grants, not because the data, <laughs> not because the property and the drugs. And that is so rare mm. because like life actually should be totally connected, right? Mm. Like regardless what is your role as a doctor, as a cook, as a chef, as a homestay, mm. stay home mom, it doesn't matter. That's just our identity. But then the deep down, we are all human beings. We are all connected. We have the same desire and suffer. Mm. So the only one can really link the connect the dots is the one that can really help. When particular, like we go through something, that's that's the dot need to be exist before we can <laughs> connect them. <laughs> mm. Otherwise, there's no way you can really help because you are in the level, just the knowledge level, but you are not deep down. It's the soul and the spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is yeah. that is what makes good life coaches because they, they have been through hell themselves. And uh, as an example, when when uh, my journey with alcohol came to a crunch and I was admitted to Capri Hospital, in Capri Hospital, everyone was an addict. Everyone from the, the caseworkers to the nurses to the yoga instructor to everyone. Everyone was an addict. Everyone had been down and out and were now living lives that modeled what you can achieve if you get your ducks in a row. And that was, isn't it? Isn't it? Absolutely. So, and there you are in your story. You did this massive transformation um this massive translocation to start off with uh from not just one country to another from one culture to the other from so many things that threw challenges at you i mean that the sheer fact that you're standing now and that you're here with me is is a beautiful beautiful thing uh, it could have been very different um, as it as it is with probably so many other immigrants and other um, other Taiwanese members of your community. I mean, is, do we, is there a strong um, Taiwanese uh, community in your area? At this time, it was very strong, but most of the uh, immigrants from the East, like China or mm. Taiwan, have become more Chinese now. But I think they are stopped. We don't really see a lot of immigrants here anymore. Oh, true, 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 true. Like, but I think when I come to like United States the first year as a graduate student, I biology department we have we have a student coming from Taiwan altogether, and only wow. have a two from China. I think it's just a changing thing. I see. I see. Yeah, but I, I think people is different now because I see around the graduate student in my community, if they from China, they are like, wow, they, they drive this uh, Mercedes-Benz car, they, they live in the fancy apartments, and they have the, the people cook for them, you know, it's like, it's totally different. <laughs> when we come in, we're like, we like scavenger. We mm. go out in the middle, say, oh, where I can get a table, I know. where I can I know. get a mat. You know, it's just like, wow, it is just 
I think it's a lot of right now, they come into the United States, not only just for study, it's more like uh, exploring their opportunity to find a business, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, send their kids over, but they are actually based in China. That's why I see some cases, I'm not say all of them, mm -hmm. but most of people can go come to here, they usually has very financial um, background support them to come abroad because they usually don't need the scholarship. Mm -hmm. How interesting. The four scholars that for tuition. <laughs> they don't need scholarship. There yep. you go. I mean that is I mean that's that's one subset, but I think there is there are so many immigrants out there who are who don't have that blessing, who don't have that yeah. background. And I think there is the fight is always there. There's the upset is always there. Even if finances are not necessarily pushing you too hard, there is still, you're still getting lost yeah. in a new you culture. Fit in. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Did you experience much racism? Well, for, um, well, my only experience, I would say, I do have a bad ones. But most of it, I don't even remember. Right. I don't really <laughs> hold it that much, like, mm. other than a very strong one, I will. Mm. Yeah, but the transition, I just kind of just, that's my motive. I want mm. to, I want to learn. Mm. Mm. Learning becomes my, uh, the really the strong mm. motive. Yeah. Because I, I don't really know. The only thing I can do is become knowing. Mm. And by knowing, I have to learn. Yeah. I think the reason I'm asking is that that it all sounds so so beautiful to to mix east and west and to in your case navigate help others navigate etc. Um, but then at the same token, you have gone through four years of of governmental racism and uh, your country going down the drain. Um, it is it hasn't made things easier. I think if if at all it has made things harder for uh, for members of of groups that are not fitting into this white Aryan um, <laughs> picture there. Um, so I sound like bloody Nazi, but yeah, you know what I mean. It is there is there is a lot of racial injustice, and what would you say to someone? who has been like you coming across and had not been so lucky, has been yeah. on the receiving end of racial injustice. How, well, what I would you tell that person? The, the thing helped me out is I have a so deep on my own culture. Like I know what I know and who I am. Like not totally in that, but I don't lose it because I don't think if I learn English, I lose the Chinese. Hmm. I see us adding in for another layer of the knowledge. So mm. I don't ever lose who I am mm. to start with. Mm. I don't, because people don't like my culture, I don't say, nah, sort of way. I don't want it. I don't have that. Because <laughs> like, if you sort of way so deep in you, mm. then you lost even more, right? Mm. That's so I think very the true. Only thing for, if they come into this country to survive and because they hate their own country, that might be a challenge because that is different. You will put a hope on this new land. That's right. I think that's Very better true. than whatever you had. But when you come here, it's not the same thing. Then you're really confused. And you don't really know <laughs> what's exactly. the first place you come here, even worse. So I think that's the, the really fundamental that you don't really influence by environments. Yeah, environment influences us. But we need to have a certain uh, foundations there to make sure you never lose it. That is something you need to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. It's not because they are not good, not because somebody said they are outdated. As long as you know that's part of you and that serve you, like give you energy, give mm -hmm. you motivation, then you should keep it. You don't wanna give it up because someone say so. Mm -hmm. So true, so true. But it's, that's a hard lesson, and that is a decision that each and every one of us needs to, to make. And that, of course, is overshadowed by trauma that happened in our childhoods. Some of our childhoods are not very nice. Mm. And 
I, I recently read the book of an Iranian child soldier who mm. ultimately ended up in, in Canada and his story, and I will soon have him as a guest on my show. And there was so much trauma in his childhood and then his, mm. his moving from Iran to, to uh, States and Canada. Uh, it was uh, a brutal, brutal story. And he got lost. He got so lost in all that. And I can see that happening. I see that happening whenever you watch the news. And we had last year and the year before, we had huge uh, refugee waves coming into Europe from Syria and from, from, from other parts. And these young men uh, were hoping for a better life. And... Um, Unfortunately, they, many of them have not found a better life. They found they found a racism. They found uh, they lost themselves and uh, got confused. Um, yeah. And it is it is such a shame. So they, no, no move is no inter inter country move. If you emigrate, nothing is ever easy. And yeah. all I can kind of remind myself my my parents when they have to escape from the communist China, my father, he, he forced to leave all his relatives on lands. They are like good landlords, not like the Chinese government told everybody they are greedy, they have to be killed, but they're good landlords, but regardless, they own lands, right? So they got brutal polish, punished. So then, um, my father has to give up everything and move to Taiwan without anything. And I can still see him. He couldn't let go. He's 90 now. He's still in Taiwan. Healthy-wise, he's very good. But I try to help him to let it go because it's, it's the very big chain you carry because mm. something you happened in the past and mm. you, the anger, you know, resentment mm. and everything. Mm. It's part of the truth, but if you living in the past all the time, you relieve all these traumas. Gosh, that is such a suffering. I know. I I, yeah. I try to let him live because I'm lucky. I don't experience what he experienced, so I can say let it go. But if he is the guy, a person really see and witness and feel, it's very difficult for them to let it go. But if you have to see it the other way. Everybody has some kind of suffering, and it's mm -hmm. our choice, right? Mm -hmm. Want to hold on to it, or so it's still. I will hoping one day before his time is up, he can definitely let it go because now he still has this anger to lose everything, and all his relatives got killed in such a brutal ways. And, and, and you know, he shared a story, and I just like, wow, what kind of world they they live through, right? But that suffering, just like you say in the beginning, is the past. Nobody can change it. The only time we can change it is to remember the lesson and hmm. live a different life. So and, and try to prevent things like that ever happen again, to the best of our abilities. Mm -hmm. That is our duty. That is our duty for you uh, to never forget the, the long march, to never forget the, the Mao Zedong's death march. And, and for me, the Nazis, and for me, the, the Second World War, the First World War, in between the confusion, the Civil War, all those kind of things. So sure. we need to never forget. We must never forget that. And we need to learn the lessons from the past. and. Maybe that is our, our legacy as well, that we to bring these experiences to the table, which is lovely. I mean, it is, uh, my wife is staunchly English in a, in a beautiful way. Um, and then she got in together with me and we had many interesting discussions or even fights about <laughs> her belief systems which were a bit different than my belief systems coming as far as history is concerned. Um, and we both are now this combination, kind of East-West, it's more sort of German-English kind of a thing. Um, but we, we grew together and she learned to see her history in a different way. I learned to see my, different, my history in a different way. So, but now with this shared new knowledge, we are bringing up our children 
and are raising them as young men who we demand that they ask questions, that they ask that they are not the blind sheep being led to slaughter, but they are actually there to learn from our lessons, to listen to, to Dad's PowerPoint presentations on that war and that war and, and <laughs> taking the mick out of me for that. But the yeah. bottom line is, it is, I want them to realize, hey, this was the past. That's where your forefathers absolutely stuffed up and don't let that ever happen again. I think that is that is such a powerful message, apart from the personal transformation and your personal growth that you are showing here. I think it is as immigrants and or as emigrants, however you want to call it, uh, you are you you bring so much more uh, to the new culture. You have so much to offer. You have so much insights that can actually be of benefit. Therefore, I actually don't understand racism. And it's so bizarre because I had I had so many beautiful revelations by a new culture being introduced to me, either when I was on a holiday or by people I met, etc. And I thought, ah, and my life inevitably became richer. So if we yeah. can if we can just focus on on the positive things that that the new culture can bring to us, would that not be such a nice thing? Yeah, I mean that's how I the first plan, first why I want to come to different co country mm. and culture is just like I want to see the other side. Mm. I want to experience so many different sides, not only just one black and white, right? It's just so many different faces, mm. and, and that really just open a, a person up. And mm. I don't want to say like judgmental way, but the where I'm stay, the Indiana, they call it Hoosiers. Most of people in this state, they never go outside of the borderline of the, uh, the state. And they are nice people, but I have to say most of them are close-minded. And the first time I move into this part of the country, I really have a hard time. Right. And they are just different. Like They're nice, they smile to you, but they have the barrier. They don't want to know you. They don't <laughs> want to be part of your world. But they 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 tolerate you because you are working here. Particularly, I'm a scientist. I'm supposed yeah. to be kind of a good living people in here. So they respect my status because I work for something, something. But if I show up as who I am, they were just like they don't really know how to deal with me because they are having less experience to integrate and and um, interact with people from different places. Now it's getting better because the, the the thing is the Midwest in the United States got more of the influx people because the cost living is lower. Ah, right. So when right. <laughs> the, it, it, the coast becomes so hard to survive, a lot of people move in here. Uh, I can definitely see the food culture change too. In the uh, past, it's just a you know, steak potato. They don't want anything. But now you have an Asian, you know, they have a Thai, they got Vietnam, they yeah. have a Middle Eastern. Right. They, the culture of the food definitely booming here. <laughs> oh, you see me laughing because see, here I am. It's, I, I come from Germany. And whilst I always considered myself German, very German, um, the reality is that Germany is such a melting pot of cultures after the Second World War. Uh, Germany was completely bombed. And so in order to build up Germany again, we had to have gastarbeiters, so uh, guest workers. And they were typically Italians, Greek, Yugoslavians, Turkish. So everywhere you go in Germany, you will find beautiful Italian food. I mean, the smallest towns will have a Chinese. The smallest towns will have a Turkish kebab shop. There will be a gelateria, so an ice cream shop. Um, mm. And that is all normal. It's utterly normal um, for us to live that. And then add the Indian and the Persian, etc. So we have always been, uh, food-wise, we've been actually been very cosmopolitan. Uh, in in Germany, so I'm pleased with that. Uh, we were lucky with that, and I can speak so highly of having lived in Berlin. I lived in in Neukölln and Kreuzberg, so suburbs of Berlin, which are virtually Turkish. 
I mean, there's Berlin has the, the biggest Turkish community outside of Istanbul. Um, so I lived in the middle of that. And it was beautiful. It was so enriching. And I had the most beautiful Turkish desserts and, and a Turkish pizza for breakfast and, and things like that. <laughs> so I wouldn't have it any other way. So I always, always had a more spicy taste um, due to these experiences. And my wife being English, meat and potatoes. Uh, no, 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 no. When she cooks, no spice will be harmed. When I cook, sometimes we can't eat it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, but then again, bring it all together and, and let's live a world where we agree on our, on our different, different attitudes and celebrate them and make the most out of it. That is, uh, that is, ah, uh, see when we can, uh, fusion our or fuse our our cuisines. Maybe we can fuse also our our how shall I the say mind, the opinions. The, the, that's the complex. right. That's mm -hmm. right. Maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe this is the way forward in Indiana. That, that <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe that that kind of pumped me to be a food truck owner. I own a food truck. Oh, excellent. I, I run food truck for seven years because I said, hey, I can bring the Taiwan street food, oh. which I grew up with, to this cultural desert, Beautiful. right? Food cultural desert. So I, I do it, but I barely survive. I cannot survive the two, three years in the beginning. There's nobody care what I, you know, I, I invented, because ah. as scientists, I do experiments, right? Yeah. I made thing because they want texture I can change. Or the, the flavor I change, you know, ingredient I change. So I played around a lot of different ingredients and the recipes. Then I'm so happy to be on the street, right? Because <laughs> they just look at me and say, uh, you know, did you have um, the fried chicken? Do you have the egg oh. roll? It's the only thing they need. Oh. So uh, in order to survive, I have to feed yeah. the demands of my sure, customers. Sure. But that learn the whole learning curve. I realize, um, you know, you need to as an entrepreneur, right? You have to really know what you're serving, who you're serving, because uh -huh. you choose the wrong the wrong crowd, then you really not align with what you're supposed sure, to do. Sure, sure, then you sure. couldn't really have this long term relationship. So then that's how the other reason I want to close my restaurant line close my food trial line because those two, they're the audience, not the one I want to serve. They, yeah, they need food services, they need food, but they only need the food to eat for pleasure. They only want the food to, because they, they don't want to learn how to cook, they just want to grab to go. That's the customer <laughs> serve for like eight years. Then I'm totally against that mindset. So the whole eight years, I'm suffering become like I don't really align with what I sell. Ha, 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 I make money, but that money I don't feel like yeah. success at all because this is totally against what I believe. People should eat home. People should cook because when you cook, it's not because nutrition is the care. It's that spiritual connection with the people you cook with or you uh, feed. That's how I feel as a mother. Like, I, I, I yes, I, I'm busy, I'm tired. I can just grab McDonald's for them to eat. I did that for several years too. <laughs> but then I we just said, oh, yeah, as I cannot do it anymore. Particularly, ah, yes. I know, you know, my kids is not going to be here forever. Yeah. So then I wake up and I train myself and force myself and do something totally different. And that, the long run, I help myself too, because yeah. I can help other too, yeah. because this is how I get from depressed and eat lousy. I'm overweight. I'm about 35 pounds less than why I was living that lifestyle. So, so this whole thing is just like, yeah, we, we can see the reward differently now. Yeah. The long-term health or just short-term um, stress relief. Because, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, you grab to go, you think you're done. Mm. But I don't know for me right now to look bad. Oh, I'm not a good mother to cook or to good. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, you know, that's, that's just 
past. Don't so. say it. Uh, exactly. That is the past. Because you <laughs> rolled with the punches. You went through your own traumatic journey. Uh, please, please, you can't be perfect in every single aspect of your life. Okay, you need... This was the hard journey for me, too, to forgive myself for not being the best dad ever. Um, so it's hard. And if I could wind back the clock, I would do things so different, but it was what it was. I cannot change that. I can That's change. We, we, we become somebody, we awake from all the experience. Exactly. So that need to have a system, that need to have a purpose there for us. So true. And here you are nowadays. Um, so you, it's interesting. I, I had not realized you had a food truck. Um, we, <laughs> I bought for my son, I bought a pasta sauce company. So we made gourmet pasta sauces and we made homemade pasta on, uh, on a farmer's market. Um, wow. So and I was hoping that he would grow up and, and take that on and advance the sauces, etc. But it was not his thing. It was, it was not meant to be. So we have just physically sold that, that business. Um, but it was, it was a, it was, it never made as much money, uh, if it made any money at all. Uh, oh, that's not the other thing I said, wow, I really salute all the food, um, people, particularly right now, the pandemic, you know, absolutely. a lot of business, they have to close the door, but they, they work so hard, even mm. they are, have a good business. So either way, the quality of a life, they don't have. Mm. Oh, that's They're true. about no business or they are like mm. overwhelmed and, and stress out with the busyness i know so, i know so it, we've wow. seen we have seen behind the scenes of that exactly <laughs> <laughs> no and it's not good but now you're, you're basically you have developed all those skills as a scientist you have developed all those skills as a mindful cook and now you're putting that all together into a new package. So, so what's your life like nowadays? Well, since I have to stay home most of the time, and I'm I'm finally close. I closed my business for the restaurant already. I'm in the process to close the food truck, and my focus right now is to move all the knowledge, all this waking up moments and um, experience to go to online, and I call myself Cyber Chef Sunny. And as a life strategist, I will put all the East and West things. I know it's going to be working together perfectly mm. at today's modern science society to, you know, this is from the science angle, but it's using the ancient way. Mm. For example, right now, we all know this called mind-body connection. You know, if we're not happy, our body actually we have some symptom because we're not happy. And that's like 5,000 years ago, the traditional Chinese medicine already know, right? But we don't have any way to prove it until 21st century. Now we have all the proof, yes, the mind and body is disconnected. <laughs> so I think in that angle, I'm just so, so happy that finally proven I, I know it all the hard. I, I found my experience, from my um, <laughs> observing. I know it's connected, but I cannot prove it because of quantum physics and a lot of things finally get the connected dot again. And I think that is the direction I'm heading, like just emerging mm -hmm. my experience, like I know the scientific proven strategies and also with my experience. Then I will hoping I can have the way to either educate it or just share the experience by talking in the podcast or mm. write a book, mm. or I can be somebody just hosting the live event. I become a speaker in mm. some sort of the templates mm. to let them know there's so many like knowledge out there. Mm. You just need to open your eyes. You don't judge them. This is the science or this is the ancient stuff. No, they are all knowledge. They are all something proven. <laughs> Right, they need to be integrated. Please, please. And so this is my message right now. Is like, I'm so excited. I finally see those, mm. and I'm logically put them together as a business, mm. and I try to reach out more people, and they might have a similar awakening experience and change their life. Yeah. 
And that is so important because we have got these two camps of people who say, no, no, only evidence-based medicine. Show me the data, show me the data. And all this mumbo jumbo of the mind, that's rubbish. And then on the other side, no, 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 no. It must be crystals and incense. And the moment you, you put the tablet in my mouth, that's evil, evil. And it's rubbish. Bring them together, fuse them, bring Western insights and Eastern insight, merge them, shake them, put them in a, in a cocktail shaker and see what comes out. And suddenly you might be surprised what kind of insights there are when you start opening your mind. That's exactly, exactly the journey I'm on. That's exactly the journey that I want everyone to be on. Open your mind, accept that you're a human being, that you're not perfect. Accept the negative emotions and learn to deal with them. Accept that you're angry, accept that you're resentful, but maybe have a little look into that and maybe find someone who can guide your hand and help you to look into, into those feelings that drive your actions. Why are you feeling like that? And when you start drilling down, suddenly you come to points in your story, in your history, uh, which are very traumatic. And the moment you can either deal with them and put them to bed or actually explore them and maybe change things and maybe deal with the trauma by making amends if you feel that you have been instrumental in causing pain or indeed maybe speaking out those things that we see now with the Me Too movement where women after 20 years, finally feeling that they, they can actually open up and speaking out and seeking justice. And it is that justice that they need to then move on. So it's all these kind of things. There are many, many, many facets to a story. And all of you guys out there listening and watching here today, you will have your own, your own history. You will have your own things. And some of the things might be open and clear to you and others you have not even started exploring. And that is a journey that is awaiting you. And I, I assure you, I guarantee you, once you start on that journey, it's like a new addiction. You can't stop because it's so beautiful. No, it is, it is so beautiful, literally. It is, it is, I mean, why do I sit here on a Saturday morning talking to you? Because I learned so much from you I learned so much about myself because I'm reflecting on what you say. And suddenly a little side sentence that you just said suddenly makes me think, huh, that's why I feel like that. And that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. So both you and I, we are investing time in ourselves right now here. And how beautiful is that? I wouldn't have it any other way. Not any <laughs> other way. Now, Peming, I mean, it's wonderful. It's I'm, I'm so grateful that you opened up and 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 came onto my show to 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 discuss all these these issues and the beautiful transformation that led you through a lot of suffering to now a woman who is helping others and who is making a difference to people out there. And for that, you need to be commended. And for that, I'm honored to have you have you on my show. Oh, um, that's my pleasure. I'm so excited. I got a chance to share my story with your audience and maybe eventually someone will find us somewhere and we can inspire them as mm, well. Absolutely. Now tell me, uh, how, if people want to get in touch with you, if people want to find out more about what you are doing, how can they reach you? Right now, since I'm the starting point, I don't have a lot of website and stuff like that. Um, the only easy way for them to find me either go to LinkedIn mm -hmm. or in the Facebook and go mm -hmm. the hashtag CyberChefSunny. And I have a lot of things cooking in there, mm -hmm. um, my life, nice. my nice. stories and my posts. And they go in there if you're interested, they can find me that way. Cool. So it's a hashtag CyberChefSunny. And guys, look down there into the description of the video and the podcast. You will find her social media links there. Uh, so just click on that and, and uh, or copy it, copy and paste, and you're going to find her. 
So now, thank you very, very much for being a guest on my show. You certainly opened a lot of interesting thoughts in my mind and uh, actually a little bit of a, of a uh, travel back in, in history in, in my own story when I was younger and lived in all these beautiful cultures and all the, the, the richness of these cultures. Uh, which puts a big smile on my face. So I think uh, it would be nice if we can get all the Indiana guys out there. Hello, people from Indiana. Um, that is, you've missed a food truck. You know that. Hey, you missed your chance. But there are other chances coming around. So come on, open your mind. There is more than meat and potatoes. Trust me. Trust me, there is more. <laughs> that's right. Thank that's you, a, Steve. Oh, no, no, that's... Saturday morning. <laughs> no, it was a beautiful interview. <laughs> Guys out there, look after yourself and pay Ming to you. I uh, wish you a wonderful time and good luck with building up your new future. A future which we don't know. And that is, that is a... A characteristic of our time right now in January 2021 with your president changing over, with COVID ravaging the world, with many other challenges for the world. So it has never been as chaotic, I feel, and we need to work together. So That's it doesn't exactly. matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you look like and what color your skin is. Let's work together, make this world a better place. Eh? That's right. Yep. This is our goal. Build <laughs> a new earth. <laughs> I'm all for that. Bye. Bye-bye.